Welcome to the Waconia Pulse, a community-based podcast presented by the Smothers and Falk Realty Group, highlighting all things Waconia and the surrounding area. The Smothers and Falk Realty Group consists of licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota with the brokerage Remax Advantage Plus. Now, here's the Waconia Pulse. Welcome to the show. We are the Smothers and Falk Realty Group, your trusted real estate guides. My name is Laura Falk, and here with me today are teammates Ben Smothers and Ann Smothers, and special guest John Schmidt, owner of the local Mocha Monkey Coffee Shops, as well as John Schmidt Pottery. Welcome, John. We're so excited to have you on the show and appreciate that you took some time out of your day to join us. Today, we are going to talk about what has been happening since episode eight in the local real estate market. All right. Well, this is kind of uh, unique now that we're in January and the, the numbers that we get as far as real estate numbers are uh, a full year from December 2019 to December 2020. So we're looking at 2020 in a whole as far as the local market update and some stats we're working with. We're going to talk a little bit about just Carver County overall and Waconia specifically and a couple numbers that jump out to me right off the bat when I'm looking at 2020 is uh, the average sales price from December 2019 to December 2020 jumped 14.1% from 375 to 428,000. So that is a big jump in my opinion. Um, That's just, I mean, yeah, it probably has to do a lot with new construction prices, but the demand for a lot of those uh, move-up homes was through the roof um, in 2020. Uh, another number that you know is, is a low number that we're, we're seeing and it's just been uh, constant is the month's supply of inventory. Currently, we're at one month supply, meaning the amount of homes available um, for all the buyers out there. If they were, if no more of them came on the market, you're going to be out of them in one month, which is a little scary. So. Yeah, that's super low. As far as the price per square foot for Carver County overall, $172 per square foot is the was the number in December 2020, which I don't know that was a that was an $18 a square foot jump from from a year pre- prior. So those are pretty big numbers. Some of that has to do with new construction, like we said. The cost of lumber went up um, substantially. I know that plays a role in it, but it's also just the the low inventory. Yeah, that's been the theme for a while with. Just not having enough and, and prices driving up. Switching over to Waconia specifically, one number that jumped out at me that is a good number, I think, is in December of 2019, there were 10 new listings. In December of 2020, there were 24. So that shows a 140% increase. 140% is a big number, but I know the numbers are a little small, so it's a little skewed. But that is trending in the right direction as far as the inventory that we're going to be seeing hopefully this summer and, and, and spring, I guess. And it's fun to look at the inventory currently on the market. It's it's pretty depleted, but we're seeing more and more of these coming soon style listings, which is, uh, you know, kind of leading into what the next month is going to be like. And it's nice to see the number of coming soon listings at one time. You know, that's one thing I'm, I've noticed in Waconia specifically is there's, you know, half a dozen of them right now, which is good to see and good for those buyers. They can get excited and if the right one pops up, they can line up everything to be ready for that one. Yep. Well, that's great. And, and more promising as we head towards the spring market with buyers that maybe have been trying for the last year to get into something that just haven't had much luck with you know competition and, and low inventory. Maybe a, a little bit of a breath of fresh air as we uh, head towards the spring that there will be more options for them. Waconia specifically, one one number if we get back on the, the median sales price is... Uh, 
337000 was the median sales price in December 2020. A year prior, 2019, it was 275000 That is a 22% increase in median sales price. So those sellers are certainly uh, seeing those their equity show itself at the end of the day, and, and they're uh, cashing in big when they're deciding to sell. That's just the, the tough part right now. One last stat, price per square foot. Uh, $164 was the, the the ending year price per square foot in Waconia. Um, year prior was 148 so another big jump of 11.3%. I mean, obviously, hearing those numbers, it's a great, great time to sell. And I, I know people have apprehensions about selling, and then what do they do? you know, if there's not enough. But I think you know, that's why we're seeing a lot of that new construction starting um, here to satisfy some of those move up buyer needs, um, too, and kind of balance things out a little bit more. So yeah, great time to sell, obviously. And those interest rates are still low, um, too, for buyers to lock in something for 30 years to... Um, one number in Waconia specifically, I heard that 300 new permits in the next two years, I believe, that's going to make a big difference in Waconia, I think, as far as people being able to to kind of choose their own home and their neighborhood and all that. And we're going to see a lot of that in the next year, in the years to come. So for sure. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will hear from John and what he has been up to with his coffee and pottery businesses. We are back with special guest, John Schmidt. Welcome, John. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for having me on. I have been here in Waconia for 10 years. I own the Mocha Monkey Coffee Shops. We have three locations, two here in Waconia and one in St. Bonnie. Uh, the one, two of our locations have drive throughs which have been super nice during this mm. time of COVID. Um, so yeah, I got started with Mocha Monkey. It'll be 10, it was 10 years at the end of this year that I've owned that. Congrats. Um, That's awesome. Thank you. So most of my time now is actually spent doing pottery and selling pottery both at the coffee shops and online and filming videos for my YouTube channel and doing that whole content creation thing. When you started 10 years ago, did you have any ambition to like have three? No, definitely not. Nope. Yeah. When I, I took over when I was still in college and I had met Pam and Mark Brownworth who started Mocha Monkey and I worked for them for a little bit and they had told me one time that they were looking to sell the business and I kind of just like I get these little ideas in my head and I just like go full fledged mm -hmm. after them like I get obsessed so I kind of got obsessed with this idea that maybe I could own this coffee shop one day and so Pam and Mark kind of took a chance on me and offered some financing with some really uh, important details that was able to let me yeah. do this because I think I went to like six or seven different banks and I had no credit or like mm -hmm. equity or anything and they all said no. So um, so Mark and Pam took a chance on me and I, I think they're happy they did and I'm certainly happy that they did. I was really happy with just the one location. Then we got an opportunity to open inside of the hometown bank that was going to go in town, which was a really good deal both for us and for them, yeah. like they were coming in from outside community and they like wanted some credibility in the community. Um, how did that idea, how did that idea come up? Was that like yeah. a chat together or, or did they approach you or how? So did I'm pretty sure it was Mike Orth that just was kind of like, hey, like we want our coffee shop or I, we want our bank to feel like a coffee shop and not be like every other coffee shop um, or not be like every other bank. Every other, yeah. And uh, 
So, and he loved Mocha Monkey and liked, he was actually the one banker that also took a chance on me right away when I wanted to buy the initial Mocha Monkey. So he knew the business a little bit, knew that wanted to make Hometown Bank feel like Mocha Monkey felt for people. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was his idea originally. And every time he came to me, I was kind of like, I don't know, that sounds like a lot of work. And (laughs) I just didn't know if that's where I wanted to go with Mocha Monkey was like to do multiple like locations, but it was really good timing because the Caribou coffee was also like coming into town and so to compete with a drive-through and to the convenience like of Mm -hmm. that was really key so we it was kind of a race for me to get open before caribou did and we ended up opening like two or three months not like it matters at this point anymore Mm -hmm. but at the time it seemed important that we got open before caribou and now the starbucks is like right across the street too which Mm -hmm. is crazy so yeah and then the saint bonnie one was a coffee shop that was there um, called Americano, and they were kind of looking to be get out of it. So we went in there and added a drive through, which has been big for that wow. location. And huh. now we have three, and now I just do pottery. So yeah, the process you kind of just went through, I guess, the second and third location, you know, how those came about. So you say you kind of were stepped away from that. So obviously you're still... You still own Mocha Monkey, right? Yep. You just are kind of separated from the day-to-day a little bit more now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's kind of been a 10-year process, right? Like, sure. you know, right away when I came out of college and I knew nothing and I had to learn everything about how to run a business and not like I know everything now, but I had to learn at least mm-hmm. a lot of new things about being a business owner. So then it was always kind of the idea to like try and separate myself a little bit so I could focus on other things. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, opening a second location was all of a sudden like, okay, now I have to detach a little from the original location so I have time to open this new one. And then once they're both open, then I need to like have some time to think about other things, which then turned into a third location. And then once the three were all kind of open, it was like, okay, let's think about what I'm going to do now. And that was kind of where I focused on thinking about how I could grow and make my handmade ceramics business more of like my day-to-day life. And because that's what I'm really, like I love the coffee shops and I love Mocha Monkey, but I feel like I'm really passionate around the ceramics part and Mm -hmm. the pottery and making stuff. And that's just what I love to do. That's awesome. Were you always creative? I mean, no. Is that a- I mean, I was a I was a jock in high school. Like, yeah. just played sports. I went to college to play basketball, and so it was really like through. I took a ceramics class. It was really just through clay that I like discovered that I wanted to be making things, and like I love to do that. And I yeah, I found that out in college when I took a ceramics class, just kind of oh, by yeah. chance. Where did you play basketball? Gustavus. Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. That's cool. So yeah, John, we heard you wrote a book. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I got, there was an opportunity from a publisher that contacted me about writing a pottery book. And so what it is, is just, it's really set up for beginners. And I felt like there was kind of a void in the pottery. I have a lot of pottery books and I've read a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And even some of them for me are like, they get too deep in the weeds too quickly and it just loses people. And there is a way in ceramics and pottery to get into it without having to like, get know everything and so I felt like I wanted to write this book for the people that uh, are interested in pottery and ceramics but don't know where to start and that's what it is so it's called practical pottery it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the independent bookstores and it's been going well yeah we released it on October 27th of 2020 
it's at Mocha Monkey. And yeah, people have messaged me a lot saying it's really kind of exactly what they needed. And you're not, you know, it's not going to be the last. If you're going to get into pottery, you you may want to learn more and go deeper. But this is like the perfect first step. And especially for people that if you're walking down Barnes & Noble and you were like, hey, I always wanted to try pottery. Like this is the book for you. Mm-hmm. Get you I have a book. question. Can people just start to do that without... Buying it's, a bunch of stuff, or is it yeah expensive or not expensive? Well, it yeah, it totally depends on how far deep you go down the rabbit hole. But if you can certainly start at a local community center or a clay studio okay. and take a class, and you know what you really need is a kiln. That's right. like you know you can hand build. You don't need a wheel right away. I mean, I use wheels for everything, and a lot of potters do. But what you need a kiln to be able to yeah. like. Take mm-hmm. the clay from, right. you know, usables. I had a client who sold last year and she had a kiln mm-hmm. in her basement. Yeah. And of yeah. course took it with because she was building a studio. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, you started um, just selling within the original downtown Mocha Monkey location. Um, obviously, time freed up. You chose to expand your pottery business. I mean, how how did that thought process go or what did what steps did you feel like you had to take in order to do that? I think, you know, it had, all three locations had been open and running for maybe a year. And I, I like, I mean, this is kind of a long story, but we went, I went on this road trip, kind of a solo road trip around, I went to Arizona and California, Colorado, just like skied and surfed. And, um, and it was like during that time that I can look back, I was just like journaling a lot and writing about like what I wanted to do next. And I had this idea to like start a YouTube channel because I was falling. I, and by that time I had really not posted any pottery online whatsoever. Like all my pottery was sold through Mocha Monkey and that was it. Like I didn't even have an Instagram or anything. And so it was like, how do I, you know, where's the next step for the pottery? And it's obviously online, right? Like to go from selling in store to what's the next step? Where do you want to, if you want to 10X your growth, like you got to go where 10X people are, which is online. Yep. So I, I had this idea that I would start a YouTube channel because I thought that YouTube was pretty, and I still don't even feel like it's saturated. Like Instagram, you look and there's a thousand potters because it's easy. Like you can take a picture mm-hmm. and you can post it on Instagram. But you look on YouTube and there's like maybe 10 potters that are doing a good job. And it's because it's hard and you got to like edit videos. You got to be educational and entertaining. You got to think out your videos. You got to, it's like you have to spend a lot of time on it. And so there's, well, a few more barriers to entry into YouTube. And I thought if I can like overcome this, I'd never shot a video or or edited a video before that. And so I thought if I can like get to where I can post and make videos and be a little bit different than other people, then maybe I can stand out. And that was really the ticket to how I started to get in front of a lot of people that in the end, you know, for the first year, I didn't hardly sell any pottery online. But after 10,000 or 100,000 subscribers, that's when, like, a lot of people wanted to buy my yeah. pottery. And then it's pretty easy to sell once you have that many eyes. Yeah, I mean, so 167,000 subscribers, I didn't know the pottery market was that big. I mean, is there more to gain, too, do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think... I don't think a million subscribers is out of the question. Really? for, And it's not necessarily, like, I'm not thinking about my audience as just pottery like people interested in making pottery but if you look at all the like videos online about just people making stuff you know like the audience is huge i mean right and everybody if, likes to watch people right. doing stuff i mm-hmm. i just learned a loom and i learned how to do that on youtube yeah yeah it's so cool and everybody has ceramics in their house like so the market to me is 
you know, 7 billion people or however many people are on the planet because everybody uses, and maybe not everybody uses, but everybody can use ceramics for something in their right. house or in right. their life. And so it's not necessarily just targeting people that are interested in making pottery, even though that is a lot of what the beginning of the channel was, is like how to do this and how to do that. It's just people that are interested in making anything. There's like 10 videos on my channel, you know, there's 250 videos and there's like 10 that made all the difference, you know, like 150 out of my 167,000 subscribers probably came from these 10 certain wow. videos. And it's like always, you can see when it happens, you know, you get a decent amount of traction right away and normally the video gets a lot of views and then it kind of goes down and it's done. But when it a really good video happens and you hit all these right metrics in the YouTube algorithm, then it like starts to go up and it's like gets a little viral. The biggest video on my channel has like uh, 2 million views on it. So you say you, you get ideas and then you get obsessed. So what do you, <laughs> in your opinion, think is the strangest idea that you ran with and was cool or a flop or let's hear about, <laughs> let's hear about some of that. <laughs> well, well, I started a surf camp business a few years ago and where I would like, and it was, it wasn't a flop, but it just wasn't like, so we, we did surf camps through, um, community ed. So I like got everything ready. We got insurance policy. We like went through the school and they were like, we can't cover you. So you have to get your own insurance. It was just like this whole big thing. But in my head, I was like, you know, we're going to have boats on every single lake in Minnesota, like teaching kids to surf. And we probably had like 30 kids, like all of our classes like sold out. And we, we uh, like taught probably 30 kids to surf that summer. But like, it ended up being that my wife was the driver and I was a teacher and she just was like, I'm not doing that again. Like all she did for like four hours was drive kids surfing. So it ended up being like, and we, we couldn't really hire anybody yet because it was like, I don't know. It just oh. wasn't the right type of business at the time. So, sure. Um, sure. So good idea, though. I feel like that would be a <laughs> that would be a, a, a good thing. Yeah, There's not really much of that happening. Yeah, boats are boats are expensive, and gas is expensive on the surfing and so, wakeboards are expensive, and, and surfboards yeah. are expensive. And so it's tough to explain the price tag of the what those price those classes had to be to the parents. Sometimes I think oh. that was well, that was a big hurdle. Yeah. But you know, it was it would be cool. So. Uh, your hobby, one of your hobbies is wakeboarding and wake surfing. Yep. Um, you had an idea once about pottery and wakeboarding slash oh, yeah. wake surfing. Yep. <laughs> Can you tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a few years ago, um, and thanks to Laura's husband, Brian, helped me out on this. Um, I made two mugs while I was surfing. So, and there's a video on YouTube about it. <laughs> so I like got back there. I had this little, I made this little thing. So I, I wasn't holding in the rope or anything. So I was just totally being pushed by the wave, like wake surfing. And then I made two different mugs while I had like a GoPro set up there and I had a camera from a second boat. So it, the video is actually pretty good. And then I made two mugs while I was surfing. The video is all done. And then a guy saw it and asked if he could buy them from me. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to. And he told me he'd give me 125 bucks per mug. So I was like, okay, I'll sell <laughs> And they're pretty bad mugs. What? They're not very good. But um, oh it was just kind of one of those things. I remember uh, John called my husband, Brian, and said, hey, I have this idea. And I remember Brian being like, what are you, <laughs> what are you wanting to do? But that's kind of a fun story. A lot of your orders that come through from your website or YouTube channel, they, are they bulk? Are they pretty specific? Are they? So pretty much now I just sell um, in like restock form. So I'll make a batch of pots. Like right now there's 150 pots in my studio that are going to go up on February 7th online. Okay. And then they'll sell out within, I mean, 
it got faster and faster throughout last year. Like usually it would take a couple days, like the last couple restocks of the year last year sold out within like six or seven hours. Oh and then, and then I'll just like, you know, for the next 24, 48 hours, I'll just pack and chip pots and then wow. clean up and get started on the next batch. And so that's what works really well for me. So we always have pottery for sale on our, at Mocha Monkey and it's just always continuing to rotate. We have stuff at Unearthed Arts, but then the restocks online is like where the best stuff is. And that's, it's more expensive and, but then it gets shipped all over the world. And it's fun because I get to make, opposed to like taking orders and taking wholesale, it's like I get to explore what I want to explore and make it and then people can buy it if they want. Yeah, Gives you more creativity. So yeah. do you make, do you make dishes like I mean plates and yeah so I mean, I, I mean yeah plates bowls oh. cups um you know planters I make a lot of planters I don't make a lot like plates there's you, certain reasons why I make certain things more than others yeah. like I make a ton of mugs because mugs really sell they have a really good price point for people sure um opposed to like giant bowls or giant sculptures like I like to make a lot of different things have you ever made a full set of dishes for anyone? oh yeah yep wow. probably I've probably done that five times okay. for different people. You said mugs, but what um, is that what sells the most, of course, at the Mocha? Yeah, the- yeah. And I mean, in general, I think for people, pottery, like ceramicists online, yeah. like just mugs are really what sell. Right. I think when people think of pottery, they think of like a, their cup of coffee or their tea in the morning or whatever. But yeah, anything, I mean, I've made so many different types of things, but right. mugs is like the bread and butter. It's probably 80% of what my making. Do you have a favorite color? I really like experimenting with different things. Mm-hmm. Like I re- this turquoise, there's a couple turquoise glazes that I've been working with recently mm-hmm. that I just really like a lot. Have you ever had anybody come to say they want to sponsor you? Like Oh yeah, yeah. Like could we like could you make it specifically for like even like a bigger company or nobody wants to buy you out. Yet. No, no, no. Well, I have so I have a couple sponsors like Continental Clay, uh, oh, they neat. sponsor me so they yeah. like, like like give me all the supplies I yeah. need with clay. And then one of my biggest partners is Mako Glazes. So I use a bunch of glazes from them. So they, nice. and then the kiln company, Scut, they have given me some stuff. And so they kind of sponsor me. So I, I have these partners that yeah. I work with that are in the industry. Yeah. Um, there's not a, you know, it's ceramics industry isn't quite like other industries where there's a lot of extra marketing money floating around. So, and I've worked with a couple other companies too. They'll sponsor videos. Like I could, I could probably sell sponsorships in my videos. Actually, I know I could, um, for a few hundred dollars a piece, but I've the, what I love to do is make pottery and that all. And also that's what sells the best or that's how you can make the most money. So that's what I focus my time. Like I could really sit down and figure out, okay, I'm going to do six videos this month Mm. and I'm going to get a sponsor for each one. But then I just, then I get to spend less time doing what I want and I get to sell less pottery. So I kind of focus on, you know, the 80, 20 thing. Have you been approached for like workshops or anything like that? So Mako flew me down last year to do a workshop in Ohio and that was fun. And then COVID happened after that. So then I haven't really done it. I've done a couple online workshops. Like there's a couple that you can go and um, buy a workshop that I did for like a two hour workshop on glazing. Mm. So do you enjoy that or does it kind of like stress you? Like, is it an extra layer that's just. Yeah. I mean, my, the thing that I do the best and just like without like thinking about it or working too, like not working too hard, but the thing I do naturally is just make pots. Like that's what I really like to do is like Mm -hmm. every morning I would just get up and like start working with clay, like make new stuff, try new glazes, like do new things. And that is also what has done the best for the business financially as well. And so for me to focus my time on other stuff, I will do 
because it's like I believe in having multiple revenue streams as much as possible, which through COVID has been like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Because certain, you know, like handmade pottery has been really good, and online purchases has been like amazing mm-hmm. for this year. And so to have that avenue was like really good for me. Mm-hmm. And even in Mocha Monkey, like you know, if we would have just stayed in downtown Waconia, that would have been really hard during COVID. But the fact that we branched out and did drive-throughs, and like we even started selling coffee online and doing some other creative things during COVID, and that you, has helped a lot. You were set up before it, and you didn't know it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And and so that's why I don't ever want to say no to things like workshops or mm-hmm. other things, because you don't know in the future what's going to happen that might cause one revenue stream to be super viable. Mm-hmm. That wasn't before, just like what happened with Pottery Now is like we were set up to sell online and it went, you know, through Crazy. the roof this year. So what are some goals for 2021? Where do you what do you see next for your business? Yeah, so I have a couple little things planned. Um, I want to keep growing. There's a, f- there's a, so much to explore in ceramics and pottery that I haven't done. Like I do electric firing to, uh, kind of a mid range temperature. And there's so many different, there's like, you can do gas firing, like where you fire with propane to really hot, higher temperatures. You can do wood firing to super hot temperatures. And so I'm doing some exploring. I have some trips planned to go collaborate with other potters and I want to just kind of keep experimenting. Cause that's cool. kind of what's been like fueled my passion and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's easy to burn out on things like when you're just Mm -hmm. making mug after mug after mug. Mm -hmm. And so to keep it fresh and fun for me, I just think about like, what's, what can I do to excite me? Because then I think that's one of the reasons why the YouTube channel has been so successful is because people can see that I'm excited about what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and it's easy for them to get excited about it too. Um, And so that's one of the important things for me is to just remain excited about what I'm doing Getting back to the mocha, mm-hmm. during the start of COVID, did you did you see your sales drop? And, yeah. Okay. So that so it's been a big like you know there's been a lot of stuff that happened at mm-hmm. Mocha Monkey from you know the first time we got locked down to mm-hmm. the outdoor seating to like the second time we got locked down like all that stuff and so right away I'm trying to think back it's been such a long year. <laughs> So right away, it was obviously everybody was panicked. Nobody knew what was going on. So the downtown store basically doesn't have, it has indoor seating. A lot of what it re- like re- relies on is people sitting inside. And so that has been hit the hardest. Our other two stores, St. Bonnie and the bank, have actually both increased the sales because the drive through has been so well. Mm-hmm. And so overall, as a whole company, we're down a little bit, but it's not much more than nice. we like it could have been a normal year and we mm-hmm. were just down a little bit. But it was really nice that month to six weeks that we were locked down at the downtown store. We really focused on like uh, painting and like redoing. Refreshing. The, yeah. Like it was a and it's something that it really needed to like. And it's something that we did a lot of stuff that would have been really hard with customers every day. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice to have that time. Actually, I kept saying that during that time. It was like we never would have gotten this done. Like mm-hmm. we ripped out all the. There was a bunch of wood that had been there for a long time behind the counter. We ripped all that out, put new sinks in, put new floor in, like wow. stuff that yeah we ne- like it would have been really hard to do on a normal business day. So that was really a kind of a blessing in disguise to have that time. As long as we can get back to normal at some point, right. <laughs> like if it never goes back to normal, then it was a waste of time and a waste of money. But I, I think we'll get back there. And even like the summer was, was pretty normal. Like I mm-hmm. think our August at the downtown store was like the same or slightly better than the August of 2019, which is really good mm-hmm. like indicator that people will come back after COVID and oh. like, you know, once they start feeling better or summertime and like then everything is a little more stable. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
Well, as we wrap up, I wanted you um, to share a little bit about where we can buy your pottery and how you know we can find you online and all of that. So, um, yeah, where can we where can we do that? Yeah, so my pottery is available all the time at Mocha Monkey, uh, as well as Unearthed Arts, both local shops here in Waconia. And then if you want to get some of the more unique, like best higher price stuff, then online, our next restock is February 7th. And that's Etsy? And I'm doing it through Etsy, yep. And so johnschmidtpottery.com has all the links to stuff. Otherwise, I think if you just search John the Potter, that's my name on YouTube is John the Potter, J-O-N, the Potter. If you search that on Etsy, then that comes up. And February 7th is the next time we'll do a restock. We have a bunch of cool stuff going up. Otherwise, there's always new stuff at Mocha Monkey, too. Well, thanks again, John, for this great conversation and for spending some time with us today. It was fun to learn more about um, you know, our local businesses here and also you know, the pottery thing as well. That's just uh, such a cool uh, passion project for you, and it's, it's ex- exciting to learn more about that. Um, as well. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Check out our website at smothersfolk.com and please hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you found us on today. And we would appreciate a quick rating and review. We are active on Facebook, facebook.com backslash smothersfolk realty group. And our Instagram handle is at smothersfolk realty group. There are tons of ways to connect with us. Just reach out and let us know how we can be of help to you at this time. We are the Smothers and Folk Realty Group. Stay well and thanks for checking your pulse. This has been the Waconia Pulse a community-based podcast presented by the Smothers and Falk Realty Group, highlighting all things Waconia and the surrounding area. The Smothers and Falk Realty Group consists of licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota with the brokerage Remax Advantage Plus. You can find them online at smothersfalk.com, which is S-M-O-T-H-E-R-S-F-A-L-K.com. If you have a Waconia or real estate-related question or comment that you would like included on this podcast, please call 612-352-9177. Again, that's 612-352-9177. Make sure you tell us to which show you are calling to contribute. And please know that we may include your voice recording in future episodes of this podcast. The Waconia Pulse was produced by Minnesota Podcasting and recorded in their St. Paul studios. And they can be found online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the individual participants and may not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Smothers and Falk Realty Group, Remax Advantage Plus, or Minnesota Podcasting. 